everyone to polk and kush it is may 3rd 2023 it's festival season and it's about to have the heat on i'm scott kushner alongside mr andrew polk and we are back hey the heat is on glenn fry thank you <laughs> uh it is uh, a lovely time in new orleans right now uh, it's beautiful outside every day. There's a million things to do. Uh, everyone is, you know, if you're not being stabbed to death, everything is seriously just fantastic uh, right now in this city. And so embrace it while you got the opportunity. New Orleans, it is uh, good times. And no one's losing, mostly because they're not playing. But no one's losing. It's true. Um, it, was a, it was a beautiful day. If you notice, I'm barefoot right now. Yeah. Which I'm usually not for mm-hmm. the show. There's a reason for that. It's because when I left work and got in the elevator... I was chit-chatting with somebody, and you know, they're like, oh, the weather's crazy. And then I look down and see that I'm standing in an ocean of human piss. <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, you know, it's sunny and jazz fest. You going to jazz fest? And I just see the piss soaking into my shoes. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go. I have to go now. So that was my little, that was my own personal jazz fest. <laughs> That's, I mean, how long were you standing at it before you realized From it? floor zero to floor five. <laughs> how is that possible you just didn't feel it? Well, I was wearing uh, rubber-soled shoes. Gotcha. So maybe that was it. It was the smell that hit me, and then I looked to see if who I was speaking to was pissing uh, on themselves, <laughs> and they were not... So detective that I am, I figured it out. There was a little old lady that got off the elevator right before I got on. So I think maybe she did it. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a real. She said, don't slip when I walked in there and winked at me. <laughs> Great. Licked her lips. The whole shebang. You gotta be real scum of the earth. To pee in the elevator. During Just the day. on the steps. This was at five o'clock. Oh my God. Well, it doesn't mean it happened during the day. It could have happened at almost any time. No one was going to clean it, right? I don't know. I'm sure it's there right now. I'm going to take some Polk and Kush t-shirts tomorrow and sop up the mess. <laughs> and leave them right on the, air on the ground. Advertising we'll opportunity. Yeah, if anybody wants one, head on down to the French Quarter. You can go to the Cinderblock factory and see Polk with his rubber-made boots on top of a, a giant pool of piss. If you are maybe one of our shrimpin' uh, <laughs> expedition-having listeners, if you have... Any sort of shrimping boots that you don't need, send them my way. I could use them, apparently. Oh, that is uh, not great. But not to come out of the gate swinging on New Orleans. Sure. But that was that was my not great. that was my day. That's not. Did you go to Jazz Fest? I did. I went. Were you one front day. row? Uh, VIP. I, I was not VIP, and I was definitely. Uh, I, I stand. I'm a stander. I don't, you know, go with the tarp and the chairs. I I'm away from those people. So I uh, got to Jazz Fest around 10 o'clock in the morning. 
because I'm old, mm-hmm. uh, and bought a ticket. And then the line to get in was literally like 15 blocks long. Like it went down. And I tried all three. I walked the entire length because it was so early. It wasn't even open yet. I walked to all three entrances. They were all insane. And I was like, I don't really understand what's going on right now. And I still can't figure out why the line was as bad as it was. And then you start realizing that once they open the gates, the lines don't move because you can easily cut them. There's no one standing there enforcing it. And it's not like they like like the TSA where they mm-hmm. snake kind of around and they all go to the same entrance point. This was like a very one, very long line going to one entrance point, And then there was a second entrance point that no one was there. <laughs> <laughs> to like guard it so it was just like you could either walk up to this one or you could stand behind two thousand people it's like if you're a good person i suppose you get in the back of the two thousand people but but i'm not a good person i'm no. also not a dumb person i'm like these people aren't going anywhere because this is a stupid system i think there is a, a side to what you're saying because if you just follow the people they're going to stand in a mile long line yeah and they're, they're, they might not even be in a line. They don't know. They, they don't see know. a bunch of people standing <laughs> yeah. there. If you have a smarter way to do it, I say do it. Yeah, and it's definitely cutting. I didn't feel good about it. But I also was like, this is, this is just a dumb way to do this. You're going into half the line. You're, you're Lee Zurich. You're exposing the line. <laughs> like, this isn't a line. This is just people standing in front of each other. You just have to frame it the right way. Yeah. You are doing investigative journalism <laughs> by showing the flaws in the line system. You got in there. You took in a flask, a gun, a if, chair, all the stuff you're not supposed to. If Jazzus was serious, someone would be standing at the front enforcing who could go in and go out. There would be a choke point mm-hmm. where only one person could go in at a time. That is not the case. It's just a total cattle call, and it is very stupid to go stand six miles deep in a cattle call. And then once you got in there, more lines because they went to cash free. Bananas. Yeah, that was crazy. What happened with that? The network went down? No. That's what they said? No. They said that, (laughs) but I think it was just people don't know how to do anything. (laughs) I was going to say, it turns out that everyone who runs the vendors are from Louisiana. Yeah. That was the problem. They've never experienced a credit card before. There's like four steps. What used to be like, I'd like a sandwich. And then they would grab a sandwich and hand it to you, take the money, and then you'd be done. That process is now like six steps. And that is way too much because it's like you got to punch it in your little machine. Then you got to ask for a tip. Then you got to have the card back. It's like it's way too much. My, um, I know why they did this. Yes. You know why they did this? I assume for taxes. My parents were carnies. Okay. And a lot of festivals will ask to uh, get a percent. Sometimes they will get a percentage uh-huh. of what you sell at the festival and taxes. Yeah. And if you're just doing cash, people, of course, lie on it. Sure. So this is a way for them to screw you even more. Yes. Yes, of course. And then when you consider that time, like if time is money, you're spending even more time and more money because you're in there. You're not enjoying it. You're spending 30 minutes in line. You've got Augie the Frog Boy from Lafouche (laughs) who doesn't have a credit card. And you're trying to get your whatever. It's it's great. Tater tot and crawfish pie. The line for some of these things, I was like. You're going to stand there for an hour. And I, I think I, one of them, I, I did stand there for probably 10 minutes, and I don't think I moved an inch because I was getting something for my wife. I was like, well, this is dumb. I had already eaten because like, I got there so early that there was nobody there. 
But then I was trying to get something for her, and I was like, well, this is the dumbest thing in the world. Why would I do this? Why would you feed your wife? <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to stand her for an hour to get a po' boy. She would have stood there for an hour for you. <laughs> She's a better person than me. She also probably wouldn't have gotten the line. <laughs> the bottom line is I'm a terrible person, and this is not built for terrible people. It seems like it's absolutely built for terrible people. <laughs> yeah, it is. I saw the video, the running of the honkies, whenever oh, they open God. up the gates and they run in there and then... Yeah. The, the strange thing I saw, the video I saw, people were running and putting their tarps next to garbage cans in the middle of the sun. It's insane. To it's, see rock and doopsie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> it is, uh, the whole, the whole, that whole culture just mystifies me. I've done it a handful of times for acts I really, really, really love. Like, there was like, when Springsteen played and that kind of thing, like, guys who I would have paid hundreds of dollars to see. Then it to me it was worth yeah, it to go Sister get Hazel. like a spot exactly, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, it, it for I had, anybody who's played this week, I I had no interest in doing that. I have no interest in doing that for anyone. Yeah, the well, the alternative is that you can usually walk up there, and it's not that hard to get in, with very few exceptions. This seems like. Maybe New Orleans is an exception. I don't know. But it's it, people are so based in rooting themselves in a place, building a wall around themselves and saying, you can't come here. Yes. It's ingrained in almost everything New Orleans does. Yes. And eventually, and I think myself included, I see that wall and I go, okay, well, I'm not going to go to that. Yeah. Is that exactly what these people want? That's exactly. Dude, the people are pushing chairs next to each other so you can't walk by them. Or, it's like... I'm just going to walk through. I got to get out of this mass of people to go to the bathroom. It's like, I'm going to go walk past you yeah. to do it. It is. Uh, it's just selfish. Of course. And it's, it's not. It's not worth it to see. I don't. To cheering. Six miles from the stage to watch whatever. I've, n- I've never understood it really like. And it, except for in very, very rare exceptions. People do it every single day. They get out there. They camp out. And they don't move from their single spot the entire day. It's like, I don't know what you just did. You know, it, it seems very odd to me. But, you know, it was overall a still a very nice day at the fest. I did find the cheat code was the beer. There are beer vendors who are not like at beer tents, but they like carry their own coolers around. Mm-hmm. And then they have no one around them. And you can just buy a beer from them. And it costs the same. And it's just as easy. Another cheat code is if you're in the 15 block uh, line, you're at Conseco's. And you can just buy <laughs> beer there and drink it there. And listen yeah. to Jazz Fest on the radio. <laughs> That's also true. Uh, that is definitely true. But yeah, I had a great day. Uh, and then after that, I went to uh, to dinner and with my brother who was lovely to come in town and then I went and saw the revivalist so I was out on my feet for like 14 hours I had walked 28,000 steps on Good Friday. Lord. that sounds like a lot it's like a marathon <laughs> I think I could have done a half marathon in the same amount of steps <laughs> except I'm the only person to gain weight <laughs> doing 29,000 steps in a day so it was a great time. Uh, have you been to the Fillmore before? I think I feel like you the said what you, the, the Fillmore? Fillmore. Yeah, I saw Danzig there. Okay, that's kind of a weird venue. It's the one by the casino, right? Yeah, it's yeah. in the casino. Yeah, yeah. It was like uh, almost too professional for New Orleans. I I've only seen Danzig there <laughs> with Grey Lafil, <laughs> and it was fun. I look at it sometimes, and it's like bands that I listened to in high school. But the tickets are still, it's like $90 to see the used. Yeah. 
a hundred dollars to see Incubus. I'll just go to a county fair <laughs> at that point. But I do like that it's gambling adjacent. <laughs> it is gambling adjacent. It's in you go you take the escalator from Masquerades right up there to the top. That's where the revivalists were. Yeah, it, there was that film where they were great, and then the next day they were like, ah, "We're not going to play Jazz Fest. It's raining." Yeah, and they said they had an illness. They played till like twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, they had boogie, fever. and they sounded great. Everything was good. It was a fun show. And then the next day they just didn't go to Jazz Fest. I don't know what happened there. I bet but, a lot of people followed that path. Yeah, I, I, I was one of them. I definitely did not go to Jazz Fest the next day well, or the rest I, of the weekend. I didn't go to any of it. I did do not this weekend, but the weekend before. I uh, did a show at Sports Drink. Thanks for having us. A couple of Polk and Kush fans came out and said, hey. Hey, hey. It was fun. Sam T, good time. Yeah, good. Uh, hopefully we can do some more stuff with them. Uh, you can do stand-up. If you ever hear of Polk doing stand-up, He's good at it. You should go watch Polk do stand-up. There was one. Uh, I think his name was Steven. I spoke to him after the show. Um, yeah. He was, when I smashed the watermelon with a hammer, he was on the front row, so he got <laughs> doused with it. But ask him. There's a video somewhere. I'll post it at some point. That sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, uh, while all of that was going on, uh, mostly Jazz Fest and uh sports drinks legendary show uh 300,000 people flooded to the city of Kansas City to watch television or watch a stage where people shake somebody's hand uh the NFL draft took place uh it was boring i don't know did you watch any of it no i watched uh <laughs> the stuff afterwards i sure. think like most people did yeah i'm not going to <laughs> then they post the numbers of how many people go there, and it's always like 300,000 to 600,000. Who? I know. Who is going to this? Are you counting the population of the city? It is incredible to think how hard it is to gain audience in anything now. Like, there, our world is so fragmented. We talk about streaming services and uh, just, just, you know, even politics. Like, everything's very bucketed and nuanced, hard to reach people. Yet yeah, these people can get the NFL can get three hundred thousand people in Kansas City, Missouri, to stand outside and stare at a podium. I don't believe it. That's what they did. You see? I mean, there was there was. Oh yeah, it was like it looked like Mardi Gras, except no one was having fun. And then they get maybe the worst speakers of all time to announce the oh, players. Yeah. yeah. They get people that have never said words out loud. <laughs> and then they give them like a whole, you know, like a Maori last name to try and pronounce. <laughs> yeah, the guy from Tonga like, with 11 yeah. syllables and an umlaut, you know, it's like, ah, uh, yeah. You can you have fun with this guy with it's, CTE. It seems like there is a pathway from being the most homeschooled kid in the world to standing at that podium <laughs> at age nine. And I'm not decrying children specifically. <laughs> there are many adults who also seemed like they were doing a terrible job up there. I think they need to get celebrities. I, I honestly am just like every year. Since they've done the draft live, I'm floored that anyone goes. They continue to go, and it keeps growing in attendance. They said in Nashville there were 600,000 people. Didn't you go one year? Was that Nashville? No, I have a poster from the Nashville there one, go. Okay. but I didn't go. Okay. I may have lied at some point and said I did, <laughs> okay. trying to seem cool. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm pretty cool. I went to the draft. <laughs> I watched the NFL. I just draft. love football. I just love the NFL. I like I like the idea of people reading names. I like to go to graduations <laughs> for fun. I like to go to random high school graduations and just hear them rattle off names. That's jazz fest for people that live in Missouri. <laughs> I, I honest to God, like, I guess it was like on Bourbon Street or something or like on Frenchman and it'd be like wall to wall packed. Like, I think which is what they did in Nashville, which made sense. It was like you're kind of in and out of bars and you can kind of be a it's like more like a festival than it is the draft. This didn't look like that. This just looks like a bunch of people standing around kind of staring at a podium. Yeah, I don't know what there is to do in Kansas City other than barbecue and drink and win football games. That sounds great. These people seem to be just kind of doing that in a large pack. That sounds way better than getting arm robbed. Yeah, <laughs> or going to Kid Rock's bar in Nashville. That sounds good, too. I'm sure there's plenty of robberies there as well. Mostly from the bar charging <laughs> you by the bartender. You're like, can I get a Bud Light? And they're like, no. And that'll be $50. This is going directly to Mr. Rock's <laughs> MAGA contribution. Uh, yeah, man. So at the end of the day, the Saints drafted a defensive tackle named Breeze. Defensive end, maybe? Breezy. Breezy. Brazy. I don't know. Uh, he seems injury prone. And he also seems uh, he had like eight tackles, and I don't know. I just I uh, uh, to pretend we know anything about them is obviously wrong. I d I don't really understand uh, how every single pick gets automatically praised. That's my that's the only take I ever have about a Saints draft. Is like no matter what happens, ninety five percent of the reporters in New Orleans are gonna be like. This guy's awesome. What a perfect fit. The Saints got exactly who they wanted. There was, uh, I think I think it was a local podcast network that did a draft rating. And I believe the lowest was B+. And they're like grading, you know, <laughs> round 13, where they're <laughs> drafting guys to work at the concession stand. And they're like, this guy's a valuable asset to the hot dog walking around guy community. <laughs> Um, He'll I mean, be one of the best Uber drivers in the city come May. I mean, it's a, it's nonsense. It's bullshit. It's, I don't even know if they believe it. They just have to put up an article because it's what they do. Sure. Uh, Jeff Asher tweeted that the uh, draft with uh, who everyone that sucked. Peyton Turner. Peyton Turner. Everybody, Zach Bond. Everybody gets an A. Yeah. On every single one. <laughs> <laughs> they always get an A to an A plus. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, at what point does it just lose all meaning? And the fact that we're still doing that—I mean, in like 1995, I kind of realized that draft grades were stupid, and I was 11 years old. If you haven't figured it out by now, the draft grade complex has really taken over your brain. Uh, you could talk about real things that happen. Uh, Breesy had an ACL injury. He was probably a top 10 pick before that ACL injury. Mm -hmm. He has had uh, personal tragedy off the field, which was mentioned in a lot of scouting reports. Yeah, I don't know why that was like a... <laughs> I don't know what that had to do with anything. I Maybe, mean, it's, I feel like that's a horrible situation. Yeah. But like, I don't know what it has to do with anything as far as football goes. Except for did he take a year off or something? That's what I, I really couldn't figure out why it was... I'm not sure. That was like the first thing that was mentioned. Yeah, that was, I, I guess on draft day, they need that kind of T 
TV story. Okay. And having a lot of hardship is uh, interesting to the average viewer who doesn't really care about college football. Sure. It's the American it's Idol human aspect. Interest, yes. But, uh, okay. Um, Cesar Ruiz, A minus. That's. <laughs> I pulled up the tweet. Adam Troutman, take a guess. Uh, a. A. <laughs> Tommy Stevens, A. Tommy Stevens. Remember yeah. him? He almost made no. a practice squad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know who I think is head and shoulders above Tommy Stevens is some guy from Fresno State. Yeah. So they also drafted a quarterback. Was they drafted the third round? a quarterback in the fourth round okay. from Fresno State, six feet tall. He's going to be one hell of a backup. Apparently, he really liked the Saints growing up because he's a big Drew Brees guy. I've never heard anyone drafted to the team say that they were actually a fan of that team growing up. Never once. And it's funny because sometimes like the Jets mm. will draft a player from Kuala Lumpur. <laughs> and then they actually say, you know what? When we gathered around the village television, we watched the Jets. <laughs> Everyone here in South America loves the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, I, I think taking a quarterback is probably smart. Like to keep taking shots, especially when you don't have your quarterback of the future. Derek Carr might be the quarterback of the president. We don't know, uh, but certainly they don't have one for the future. They've just whiffed in that exact situation so many times. <clears throat> Mickey Loomis continues to trade up. I don't know. At what point are teams just taking advantage of Mickey Loomis? I believe this is 24 consecutive draft day trades he's made. All of them are to move up. He has never once in that span traded down to get more picks to get out of a position. He's always trading mm -hmm. up. That scouting report, that's like a poker player who's always going all in. Like, at some point, you you know what they're doing. Like, doesn't that lose you some some leverage in the in like when everyone knows that hey well this guy's gonna trade up if this is who we want and if we just continue to ask for more shit he'll just give it to us because he doesn't care. Well, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with how the draft is such a gamble and you can't really grade these guys right now. I think they on I think the Saints are kind of doing the right thing because it's a huge gamble and they're at least going for the guys they want to go for. Sure. Um, they traded up for Nick Saldaveri. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, offensive tackle from ODU. Um, Let me guess. He's really mean. It says uh, aggressive. No, it doesn't even say that. <laughs> he's six foot six. He has strong hands. He struggles <laughs> with the run block. Well, who needs that? Uh, it's only half the game. He's not a terrible pick because he can play multiple positions, which they have to do because they get injured so much. <laughs> he could play a guard as well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, six foot six. He was a pro bowl standout. <laughs> can't, can't. Or senior bowl. Whatever the fuck. Yeah, sure. Can't miss. Uh, in the in the third round, they got Kind Kindre Miller, oh, a running good. back from a TCU. Uh, he did. No one saw him play at all because <laughs> he did not play in the college playoffs, which is the only time anyone would have seen TCU. He had a knee injury, which I, th 
he had he was just faking that to sure, not have to yeah. play in the playoffs, right? Definitely. So I think he's healthy, which is a good thing. <laughs> um, but he was on the phone with. It's he needs to get an iPhone first off with his draft money because the interview I heard he was like underwater on like a tin can from Mash, and he was saying that he wanted to come for Alvin Kamara, and Alvin Kamara was like, "Fine, I don't give a shit. Great, I'll be in jail. Do you want to come take my spot there? He's tiny. He's like five eleven, five ten. He's downhill." Uphill, scat back. He's an uphill running back. I don't want to hear that one time. (laughs) Really takes him a long time to get moving. He's in the snow. He just likes to put the work in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But he's good. Yeah, seventeen touchdowns. TCU. They're playing Lamar. They're playing ULM. They're playing Texas El Paso. (laughs) These are good teams. This is the draft breakdown everyone's been dreaming of. Six days after the draft, just. the ultimate poker kush moment <laughs> uh the the real ultimate poker kush moment is that the adam trout man uh one of our uh, most attested players a uh, guy we've ripped on a lot here because he stinks at football demanded a trade <laughs> that's right demanded a trade uh and he is now in denver with sean payton who i suppose is good who liked him uh and he, it really opened up the floodgates of people all agreeing with us that the Trout Man uh, sucks at football. Once again, Polk and Kush was correct <laughs> and said it when no one would say it. The second they send the Trout Man off to sunny Denver, everyone's yeah. like, screw that guy. Yeah, he's not good. He's not good, but he was good enough to demand a trade <laughs> and for the Saints to oblige him. I think that's he should have gone with Sean Payton. That right? should have been included in the trade. Like, hey, if you're getting him, you got to take this guy too. Yeah, you got to take this asshole. Take his contract. <laughs> do whatever. Yeah, exactly. Did the Saints send a pick, or did they get a pick back with Sean to get the for the Trout Man? Uh, I I don't know. I have no idea. I made it to the headline of Troutman gone. <laughs> Then I cracked open a beer. Yeah, I danced <laughs> merrily. And, and sprayed it all over my room. Um, I got my Troutman jersey up on eBay right now. <laughs> yeah, big money. Dude, too many people responded to that tweet. That's yeah, great. I went on eBay, yeah, I, and people were selling Troutman jerseys, and someone had an autographed one. Yeah. And I traded them uh, Hercules collectible plates from Burger King <laughs> and got it. It was a very a hot shot viral tweet. I yeah. You Every time know. I tweet anything, I'm like, I shouldn't. Have <laughs> I don't really engage with these idiots. <laughs> Our audience, <laughs> you dopes. Uh, but he's out of here. He's out of here. Uh, I guess Juwan Johnson basically took a spot, and they gave Juwan Johnson a contract this year. So the writing was probably on the wall anyway. He also uh, got a uh, penalty every good play the Saints have when he was on the field uh, for essentially the last two years. And uh, if he wasn't getting a penalty, he was probably dropping uh, easy first down. You're talking about Troutman. I'm talking about the Troutman. Yeah. Yes. Juwan yeah. Johnson, better than Troutman. Yes. That's what it says on my scouting report. Sure. And they didn't have to trade multiple picks to get him. <laughs> uh, and that's, you know, it's another thing of the Saints. The Saints 
the the myth that the Saints are this great drafting team. I think they're probably in the middle of the road somewhere. I'm not saying they're terrible at it. They've had two amazing draft classes in 2006 and 2017, and both of them sparked great runs where they mm-hmm. win the division several times and made deep playoff runs. Uh, outside of that scope, uh, there has not been many good drafts, and recently there have been a lot of bad drafts. And uh, they need to clean that up. And it is the single most important thing they can do is not trading away picks because it seems like they're not all that good at picking to begin with. So you would want to have more guys and more opportunities to get this right because their scouting system, which they seem to be so intensely confident in that they're willing to trade away all their picks in order to get the guys they want, isn't as good as I think they think it is. I think that is part of the Saints culture, too. A lot of stuff is not as good as they think it is. Yeah. The draft is a big one on it. Yeah, for sure. And it is, uh, it, it, I think some of it is because they always get the benefit of the doubt locally. The draft happens, everyone's like, great draft. Every single time. Yeah, and I'm not saying I know it's a bad draft. I don't. It could be another 2017 draft. But I sure as hell, and I don't think they've earned the benefit of the doubt at all. It's just like the most re- the best most recent pick is Chris Olave, hands down. Sure. And there was no more or less fanfare for him being drafted than anyone else in that class. No, not really. No one was over the moon for him any more than they were Stephen Smelly. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor Penning and, you know, like... I know, whatever. I mean, the Saints will live and die by the draft because they no longer have a star quarterback of that caliber, of Drew Brees' caliber, to rely on. So they're going to have to reload the talent. Eventually, they're going to have to hit on a quarterback. They hope they did uh, this year late in the draft. That is always a long shot. Even if you pick in the top 10, that's a long shot to hit on quarterback. Um, but it is a uh, an interesting spot for them to be in. They probably have improved. I don't think anyone from this draft class is going to physically attack uh, the players at training camp three times and get kicked out of training camp. Well, time will tell. That's just a feeling I have. It's just a gut feeling. You These got. guys didn't do that at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> the Pro Bowl. Whatever. <laughs> on that note, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're going to uh, dunk on the Pelicans a little bit uh, and their ridiculous TV situation. And then, of course, we've got a whole bunch of Nolan Breakdown. So stick around. We'll be right back. Pull and Kush. The New Orleans Pelicans not playing games right now because the playoffs are on. Uh, however, they have been in the news. Uh, mostly thanks to our friend, friend of the show, Christian Clark, who uh, produced a column uh, last week in the Times-Picayune, basically saying the Phoenix Suns have decided to put their games on broadcast television in Arizona. Uh, why have the Pelicans, who have seen such a drastic rise in their valuation as a franchise, why aren't they doing something for their fans like the Phoenix is. And I thought it was a very good question, a very poignant column, and something that merits uh, a lot of introspection from the team. Christian sticks up for the fan base. Mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't say that the opposite of that is true. Yes. No, That's <laughs> he definitely gets dunked on more than anyone 
on Twitter of any of the media members, yet he's the one who's always kind of defending. He's the only one saying, hey, this is nonsense. And if you talk to anyone that had Bally's, it didn't work. It stinks. I knew people that had Bally's, and they were still streaming it illegally because those streams from Russia were still better than Bally Sports. The Pelicans bet on the wrong team in this situation, and they're not doing anything about it. Putting the the Phoenix Suns uh, uh, are like tripling the household viewership. Yeah. by putting this stuff on Antenna TV, mm-hmm. it's going to be on there next to Murder She Wrote, yeah. Wheel of Fortune. Of course, people are going to watch it. <laughs> what's the uh, What's the channel that you like? The Bounce TV or whatever yeah. you get, like that's over the air. The one that shows all the westerns, which one's yeah, that? Yeah, and Grit, it's like 20.1, 20.2. 20. Exactly. And then, all the stuff that your grandparents are familiar yeah. with. And then the Pelicans, you know? The Pelicans make sense on in a small market team like this. No one has cable. Everyone is filled up with streaming services. Yeah. It would make the most sense to put the stuff on broadcast TV. Play it after Just Shoot Me. Yeah, and the, if you were to name... This franchise has been bad for a long time in so many, a variety of ways, right? But if you were to name the one thing that has almost universal disapproval for the last several seasons, it's the TV contract. Mm-hmm. More Once they got off of Fox Sports Southwest or whatever, Fox Sports New Orleans, it was purchased by Sinclair. Sinclair basically pulled it from YouTube TV and from the Hulu you know, package, therefore making it almost entirely unavailable to anybody who doesn't have cable. Or paying them $20 a month just for Pelicans. There's nothing else on that channel. Uh, Once they did that, I think it was literally universal disapproval. Yet, when the contract came up last summer, the Pelicans did exactly what everyone knew they would do. Even though they said, which Christian smartly highlighted, even though they said... Getting the games available to more people was like their highest priority. I believe it was a gigantic priority in quotes from CEO Dennis Lausha. They took the money. They did the easiest, most most uh, convenient, profitable thing they could do and took the money. They didn't show any vision. They didn't show any backbone. They didn't show like they cared about their fans because they don't. And the sooner anybody starts to realize that, the better. This is who the owners are. They don't care that they own a $2 billion franchise they paid $300 million for. They're not operating any differently. They're just trying to squeeze out a profit every year by any possible means. And they've raised prices on everything. Everything. Ticket prices, merch, concessions. And not everybody is doing this. We obviously mentioned the Suns aren't doing this. Other places are lowering concession stand prices. Other cities have ways to get to the arena, like a a working public transit system. You are icing out probably your strongest demographic of fans, and that is lower-income people. If you offer this product on an antenna where people can watch it for free, you're going to have a stronger fan base. You're going to have more fans. You're going to have loyal fans. And you're going to have more people to yell at Christian online and call him an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> and, and you're just alienating your fan base, which is a uh, uh, a trademark of the Pelicans. You know, they're putting out cease and desist against people for yeah. unauthorized merchandise. Yeah, they are. They do not like certain fan groups that do meetups. This is all from the top. They want to control the narrative with the Pelicans. And they are terrified when somebody says something other than Najee Marshall is the greatest basketball player of all time. <laughs> 
And they truly are shocked when anyone criticizes the ownership. And I think they were shocked when Christian kind of went after them. And, and, and good for everybody who – it seemed like the response was almost entirely in his favor, which never is uh, for Christian. And so I was glad it was written. I think it needs to be said. I think it needs to be said more often. The arena is a problem. The tickets are a problem. The accessibility is a problem. They, th- this is a small market with an owner who absolutely positively does not need to extract profit from every turn. It, it, it's just not necessary. The thing is worth $2 billion. They have access to get $400 million in cash out of the franchise from the NBA whenever they want to. That was reported like two years ago by Brian Windhorst. She doesn't need the cash. She doesn't need the value added to the franchise because she said she's not going to sell it. So what is the point of squeezing every dollar of profit out of this thing? Is it a game? Is it just a fuck with people? Like this is, it, is, it needs a question that needs to be asked. This doesn't have to be run like a traditional business where every single dollar has, to, every single dollar of expenditure has to be met by a dollar in revenue. It doesn't have to work that way. It works that way because that's how the Saints ownership group, you know, starting with Gail Benson and then the VPs underneath her, that's how they, they go about this. And everyone just sort of expects it because that's how a lot of pro, pro sports operations operate. But this franchise should be different. New Orleans is different. She's different. Everything about this should not feel this crappy that they're they're trying to get every $13 beer out of you. The end. There you go. All right. That's right, everybody. So now let's pick it up. We all love what's coming next, which is, of course, <laughs> lovely news about our fair city. That's right. The local breakdown. It's It is you put pass in a swamp and that's Nolans in a nutshell, baby. <laughs> well, uh, keeping with the theme of people trying to squeeze every cent out of the citizens, if the Pelicans put it to a vote, I think they would get demolished on raising ticket prices, raising concession prices. Because when you ask for money, you have to provide something in return. Sure. You have to say something's going to get better, a situation will get clear. There has to be some reason to want more money. And the people of New Orleans spoke loud and clear about Sheriff uh, Susan Hudson's proposed tax hike, Mm -hmm. which was historically voted down. Yeah. Basically, you could see like the crawl, and it would be like, St. Tammany uh, Coroner Office, nine yes, two no. That was like <laughs> like 12 people voted on everything else. And then on this, everyone in the city actually voted on it, including the people from The Recall, Mickey Mouse, Bart Simpson, Donald Duck. The campaign, she was campaigning to raise taxes. And I don't think the issue is that the sheriff's office doesn't have enough money. I think as repeatedly seen in Louisiana politics and particularly with law enforcement is that they have more than enough money and they do absolutely jack shit with it. Yeah. You don't need more money. You need to do something with it other than diverting it and filling your own pockets. There is uh, like a zero trust factor when it comes to public funds going where people think they're going to. And I, I think Latoya Cantrell, the way that she has spent money has really added to that, mm-hmm. that people don't have faith in government generally. I think people also either break down along two lines, right? They either don't like police 
or they don't trust the local government. Right. And and the combination of those two led to ninety <laughs> percent of people agreeing on something. Ninety percent of people can't agree that the sky is blue. No. Ninety percent of people can't agree that this place is a shithole. Like it is <laughs> remember the approval rating was still like twenty something percent? Oh yeah. And it was like who are these 20%? Like the criminals? Who are the 10% that were voting for that? Are they people who are in jail who that, think they'll get the money? Definitely sheriffs, I would say. Law enforcement. I was like, 90% is such a unbelievable number. In voting terms, it's unanimous, basically. Yeah. And this was a tax hike that was not a little. It was doubling yeah. the tax. For that, 10 years. I mean, she, she was elected... I think people knew her from the jails, like she oversaw that jail, and I don't think anybody has is like, oh, she really roped that in <laughs> yeah, afterwards. Like, well, I think all the problems have been solved at the jail. Five minutes before we started recording on the news, they were like, all those people that escaped from jail have been found dead. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess that's that's the plan. <laughs> When people escape from jail, we just we hope that they get some fentanyl instead of the firing squad. We just bring them back into the city. You'll probably you're more likely to be dead that way. It's a very Chief Wiggum situation where it's like you can't you can't leave, but if you're not going to be in jail, will you just stick around for a while? We don't want to pay the expenses of the lawyer fees to do lethal injections. We just allow them to go back home. <laughs> And it's stuff like this is the reason why people are leaving Orleans Parish at a record level. Uh, from the New Orleans City business, it says that it just says that Louisiana's biggest parishes are losing people by the droves. I think uh, mostly to getting shot to death, but some of it <laughs> is probably also moving to Austin. Yeah. <laughs> 22 people leave Orleans Parish every single day. That's a lot. And go to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's not surprising i mean it 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 there was always going to be a point where push met shove and i think for a lot of people it was hurricane ida uh and then the aftermath of that including insurance prices and uh you know when your trash doesn't get picked up and just very basic things that are kind of in your face and i'm not surprised that we've reached that point and it probably honestly is uh is not a terrible thing in the long run because the city likely was get, getting to be a little too expensive or whatever it might be uh, for a lot of people and hopefully this makes it a little bit better but it's certainly not a good thing like no. it's not a positive sign that people are leaving because they cannot live here anymore but you, it, the results might not necessarily end up being a terrible thing but yeah People leaving in droves is a terrible sign. And I'm sure not all of it is crime. I'm sure a lot of it is. But I think, like you said, most of it is just how expensive everything is. Because there was always the agreement with New Orleans where it's like, yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah, everything is messed up. And it's hard to do basic stuff. Yeah. And the exchange for that is that it is cheap to live here mm -hmm. and it's fun. Yeah. And the cheap to live here is gone. Yeah. And, and COVID the killed the fun. And the fun is fading. Yeah. Well, certainly like the, the 12 months of COVID, there was no fun. Right. There was no fun to be had for a while. I was having fun at parlays with the door, <laughs> with the blinds down and uh, some other places. I don't guess I should say their names. <laughs> but yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. 
And so it's it, to me, it is not a surprise that pushes come to shove, and a lot of people reach their breaking point. So I get it. I don't think ultimately it's like uh, the worst net result, uh, but I do understand it completely. And I, th- I think anybody listening to this show understands it, and hopefully someone gets the message that like maybe this means it's time to change what we're doing here. Hopefully. Yeah. And if you are leaving New Orleans... Hit subscribe, hit like, <laughs> follow us on everything. Tell your friends. This has been Polk and Kush, rapid fire episode. If you liked what you heard, tell somebody. If you didn't, don't. <laughs> I'm Andrew Polk. That's Scott Kushner. We'll see you next time. See ya.